Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 122. It is the week of San Diego Comic Con. We are not in San Diego. We are not. Or anywhere near California. No, and um, if you're anywhere near that fire, get out. <laughs> If you're near that fire, uh, considering we are taping this on Sunday and you are listening to it probably sometime Monday, it's too late <laughs> to get the burn unit to come and scrape your melted flesh off of wherever you're sitting. Get out. This podcast not, cannot uh, assist you. This feels like a radio station, Amanda, like we're doing it live. I've tried to specifically set up that kind of vibe in the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home studio. Uh, we, uh, we are not live. Someday, maybe, uh, some, but not today. We're not live? We're, we're not live. Are we Memorex? We're, we, we're not even classy enough for Memorex. Oh. We, we're not even Max L, to tell you the truth. People of California, get away from the fire. <laughs> yes. Flee the fire. <laughs> flee into the ocean <laughs> or something. Go to Canada. Yeah. So <laughs> and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know, we weren't able to get into San Diego this year. Supposedly, we have uh, an early in for next year. Maybe. Uh, we don't fingers, want to jinx things. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, knock wood. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll be able to broadcast live-ish from there next year. Listen to our exhausted corpses wheezing. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of exhausted, it's been another hell of a week, busy doing stuff all weekend. So we're we're just beginning to put together all the stuff that happened at San Diego in the past week. So what we're going to try and do is collect all the biggest news and maybe get some audio from some stuff and do a show about San Diego next week. Yeah, I mean, things were coming out as late as this afternoon, um, Eastern time. Yeah. They announced that Alison Brie is going to be Captain Marvel, which dashes my hopes for a Katie Sackhoff Captain Captain Marvel. I can't uh, even talk. I, I'm not even jet lagged or exhausted that way. I, I can't fucking talk. I was, I was hoping for Katie <laughs> Sackhoff just because I... I don't know Brie Larson. Didn't she, didn't she win the Academy Award for... Room. She was trapped in a room. Right. With a child. Which, I've, which is hell on earth. <laughs> I, which I, I've heard is a good movie. Harrowing performances as, as actress who did not kill a child. <laughs> You're locked in a room with a kid. All right. Show me a load-bearing member and a rope. <laughs> the kid can eat me. That'll do my part. <laughs> you are a goddamn humanitarian. <laughs> I am. I'm a, I'm a serious fucking person. And I don't like children. So but, yeah, uh, Brie Larson, whoever that is. But isn't is. she like in her 20s or something? So the, the, yeah, she's, she's not actually old enough to be... Um, a colonel the, in the Air Force. You, you beat me to it. But yeah, that's because I can't use words today. <laughs> this is going to be a great podcast. <laughs> yeah, we talk good. We are podcast hosts. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, and that's part of why I was leaning toward Katie Sackhoff too. The, the thing is, it's the movies. It doesn't fucking matter. No. And and Marvel this way, much like with the casting of Tom Holland, has somebody that's young enough that they can lock them into another 20 years of movies and they'll be fine. Yeah. Although, you know, she's a woman in Hollywood, so they'll get about five or six more years and then they'll recast her. No, but- that's also <laughs> probably accurate. But, you know, look, it's... <laughs> It's it's the nature. We watched a movie today where supposedly a dude who enlisted off the back of a motorcycle became captain of a billion dollar starship in forty five minutes. Yes, it, the movies it, it doesn't necessarily have to bear any sense of reality. Billion credits. I think I think the, Feder- the Federation uses credits. Uh, if you believe Star Trek four, <laughs> there was no money in the Federation. Oh God, anymore. is it Bitcoin? <laughs> the blockchain <laughs> the blockchain's gonna give us the federation wake up sheeple 
So yeah, we're going to try to put together all the the big news for next week, and uh, hopefully we uh, we'll, we'll have a, a guest. We do have a friend who somehow manages to score tickets every single year. Yes, and she's been a guest on the show before, so we're hoping we can get her on the phone at least for a brief update as to what it was like being in person because there were some changes this year with the RFID badges. Uh, yeah, and having to ring your way in and out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, but, mm. they don't have enough computing power to keep the Wi-Fi going. It's there was no Wi-Fi this year, I, if I read correctly. They the the free Wi-Fi, such as it was, that was offered every year, um, which was like a week dribble of of Wi-Fi because of so many people trying to use it all at once. Oh, there's an internet drought in San Diego for a week in July every year. It, be it cell data, be it Wi-Fi data, hotel Wi-Fi data, it's a nightmare. You just wave whatever device you're using vaguely towards Petco and hope. Yeah, you, you write your message on the screen of your phone and you throw it in the direction of the person you're trying to reach. It's more likely to work. Yeah. But I mean, you speculated that might be because... Uh, I think yeah, it was by design. Yeah, yesterday we sat down for an hour and watched, uh, I think, all of the Warner Brothers trailers that came out of Hall yeah. H. And they were all up, like, immediately. Yeah, and even today, and I don't know exactly when it went up, there was over nine minutes of B-roll from Suicide Squad that went up. <laughs> I watched some of that over your shoulder. I'm not sure that's B-roll as much as uh, here's some film that we accidentally developed because there was no sound effects or people yelling action. Uh, wasn't there one of them just of Harley Quinn walking across and cut? Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, it's the one where like when you see her in the trailer and she's beating up whatever goons in the in the elevator and then she gets off the elevator daintily and then walks by. We saw it from the, the camera person's angle. Oh, so we saw a different angle of... <laughs> Somebody walking <laughs> off an elevator. Yes, but but this is why San Diego is such a fucking wonderland. <laughs> the gem in that nine minutes was that you got two shots actually of the old school Harlequin costume. Okay, and, was she wearing it? Um, no. A You'd notice a mannequin was. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> yeah. You spent nine minutes in front of your phone with shitty sound to see a mannequin in an old school Harley Quinn costume. It's it's the Harley Quinn costume. <laughs> the Harley Quinn costume, not the Arkham Asylum Harley, not the San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> clearly, is not what I what it was for many years. It's the Harley Quinn costume. It's the one. <laughs> okay, it's not the hot pants. <laughs> I, I think you have a. a a stronger personal feeling toward Harley Quinn than than I do. And I love Batman the animated series. She she's the newest most somehow old school iconic character. Like it's, it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I mean she's not a new, she's not a, a new character at this point, but she is new relative to the rest of the DC universe. I mean DC uh, not DC, Batman the animated series that came out when we were in college. I think it was 92, 93. Yeah, but you know, considering Batman came out what 1937. Well, yeah, okay, but still, we're talking like coming up on 25 years. Right. So. Just saying, though, she's not old like Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman. Okay, you've got a point. That's fine. It's just, yeah, the character. I've always enjoyed the character's appearances, but I'm a dude. Hartley Quinn was never meant for me, particularly even in the cartoon. It wasn't even meant. 
Harley Quinn was not meant for me until the Batman video games, where it's like, eh, don't you want to fuck this? I'm like, what, those polygons? Thanks, I'm an adult. I've oh, seen a naked lady. We Can, can we get past the cutscenes so I can, as Batman, punch somebody? We went out with some of your friends to go see that horror movie this weekend, and there was a trailer for Suicide Squad, and your buddy on the other side of me, it's like he'd never seen, like, ass before. It was just... <laughs> was like, oh. Hello! <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you you know that friend. That's exactly what he would say. <laughs> We're lucky he didn't scream. That's my dirty little piggy at the screen. It's true. I'm surprised it's true. we didn't get chucked out of the place. <laughs> it's probably why we went to the ten o'clock movie to make it less likely we could get dinged. All right, so yeah, that's uh, that's San Diego in a nutshell. <laughs> spend all day to get into Hall H. So to spend nine see... minutes watching a mannequin <laughs> wear a circus clown leotard. Yeah. From a cartoon from 1993. God, I miss Comic-Con. I do. <laughs> I spent all day, I'm looking at the clock. It's like, uh, right about now, they'd be doing the Buffy the Vampire Slayer sing-along. Yeah. We'd be getting ready to go get hammered at the Hyatt Bar. Mm-hmm. Hopefully next year. Yeah, it, it, we'll have we'll have a roundup. Uh, and, and even, you know, look at some of the rumors that came out of there. Apparently, uh, somebody... At the Hyatt Bar, got really, really drunk and cornered a bleeding cool columnist and said, uh, "Yep, it's true. We're going to kill Tim Drake. <laughs> <laughs> you can print that. <laughs> Who gives a shit? They bring Robin dies. They bring him back. Which Robin? <laughs> which Robin has not died so far and That's not a good come point. back? No, Tim good... Drake's it. Yeah." <laughs> I mean, yeah, Dick Grayson, you know, died in the eyes of the public. I'm going to count that. Considering sure. Dan DiDio tried so hard to get him the greasy little shit in a corner and <laughs> stick a shiv in his, in his ribs. I think he's jealous of Dick Grayson's ass. We're all jealous of Dick Grayson's ass, baby. <laughs> it's only human. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but you it, see, that's what I have. This, Dick Grayson's ass is for me. If Harley Quinn is intended... In hold on a second. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I just want to make certain I understand the the me. <laughs> You're the intended audience. Yes. Y- you it, haven't placed an order on Amazon that you know of. Do they deliver ass? Well, because I don't need anybody anymore. <laughs> that the Japanese make a wide variety of interesting devices. Is all I'm saying. Do they have a Robin ass pillow? I, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything more without my lawyer present <laughs> we have the same lawyer no one can save you now i'd like to plead the fifth okay. <laughs> back to what you were saying dick grayson's ass is for you yes and harley quinn's booty outfit in arkham asylum is for you it, yeah but it doesn't matter it's a cartoon i don't care yeah i don't either i think okay <laughs> <laughs> Even in the movie, that's a real person. But uh, I, again, <laughs> I'm a grown up, and I, yes. you know, don't stick your dick in crazy. Uh, I learned it early. <laughs> I learned it the hard way. It's true. But it's true. Don't stick your dick in crazy. Don't allow crazy dick to be stuck in you. There's a lot of rules around it, but they all come down to the same thing. So yeah, Harley Quinn is just not. There's no ideal there. No, it's true. This now movie, that we've ruined the fantasies of we've ruined fans, fan- we've ruined fantasies, com- <laughs> comic conventions, the city of San Diego apparently is on fire with Dick Grayson's ass. And fake, Somebody saved the fake fish crazy tacos, chicks, and yeah, fish tacos. Yeah, all right, we'll go back for the fish tacos. No, we'll go back for the convention. There's seriously 
there's just nothing like it. We've got Boston Comic Con coming up in three weeks. Yep. And we've talked about it before. They got a murderer's row of talent showing up. Frank Miller is showing up for Boston Comic Con. He barely goes to San Diego. So I, he's probably just started vibrating across the country now, and he'll get here in time? Uh, it's possible. <laughs> it's less super speed than... I don't truck in rumors on this <laughs> show, God damn it. I don't know what's... I don't know what's wrong with Frank, but excuse me while I take a nice sip of fine Berkshire Brewing Company Steel Rail Pale <laughs> Ale. It's it's a it's a lovely beer of which you have a whole case in the house now. Uh, I know you still I'm, had to pay for it, and about four of them. Did, yeah, they're still not sending me the free ones, but someday. But yeah, it's, Boston Comic Con looks awesome. Huge talent. They just announced their panel schedule, mm-hmm. and it's certainly not like San Diego, but this is a convention that was just in a basement at a hotel seven or eight years ago, Right, and now there's a Marvel panel, a DC panel, an Image panel, Star Wars comics panel. There's a ton of cool stuff going on, Yeah, but there's nothing like San Diego and the raw spectacle. You go to Boston Comic Con, they got a nice sign out front, and on the left is a bar, <laughs> and on the right is a wharf, and across the street is a hotel. Yeah. You go to San Diego, and within three blocks in either east or west. It's been expanding out roughly like uh, south by southwest. It's like whatever venue they can get a room. And they had they had um, comics in education panel at the uh, San Diego Public Library this year. It's metastasizing. <laughs> it's it's oh, in God. San Diego's lymph. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. That was too far. I, I'm, Look, it's it's been a hell of a week. Cut me a break. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's a, you go in any direction, and uh, Christ, you go past Starbucks, and they've slapped a mask on that chick logo. Yeah. I expect that they'll start having panels at some of the Starbucks at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably be sleeping at the Starbucks when the hotels are going. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, we're hoping to go back. So yeah, next week's show, right now the plan is we're going to try and wrap wrap up as many of the big stories as we can so we can kick them around and get some post-game analysis from somebody who was actually there at the convention. In the meantime, yeah, based on how this week went, it was like, okay, we've got a limited amount of time. What are we going to make this sh- this week's show about? So we went to the movies again. <laughs> yeah, it worked out last week. <laughs> We're not going to do this every week, I swear to God. No. Although if next week goes to hell, uh, it'll be about Batman the Killing Joke. But <laughs> Which we think we're going to see either tomorrow or Tuesday, depending on our levels of energy. Yeah, we're old. Yeah, if you listen to this uh, early enough on uh, Monday, July twenty fifth, there are various theaters around the country that are doing a, a one night. I think it's two showings Monday. Yeah, well, I think some venues have added Tuesday dates as well. All right, but I, I can't guarantee that. But but at least on Monday, there should be one or at least two showings in various cities around the country yes. uh, of Batman the Killing Joke, the, the animated version with Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. And Tara Strong is going to do the voice of Batgirl. Right, and it's coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, I think in a week? Yes. The beginning of August, but yeah, there's an early screening. It's, it's playing about four or five miles from the home office. We're going to, depending Attempt. on our energy level yeah. tomorrow... <laughs> Try to go out for that. So yeah, that may, that may be next week's show <laughs> if the energy level punts. There's supposed to be uh, an interesting spoiler that goes with it that's been making the rounds because they showed some footage as part of the San Diego. I think they film debuted. Present. I think they debuted the whole thing yeah. in San Diego. But um, we'll we'll get into that if we see it. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, that's not the movie we saw this week. No, uh, it is not. This week we went to Star Trek Beyond. We did, which might be 
somewhat surprising to people who listen because we don't talk about Star Trek a lot. We don't, but you know, riding the the wave of movies that are attempting to create fan service and nostalgia for for properties that existed when our parents were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not necessarily the same thing because. Well, it, it actually is because Star Trek's been doing exactly that since about 1979 right. with Star Trek the motion picture. It's one of the few films that my dad actually ponied up so we could see it in the theater as opposed to the drive-in or the second run. Okay, that's dedication. That's, yeah, my dad, you've all heard me speak of him and his cheapness before. <laughs> my, my dad, left to his own devices, will wait until something made it to the drive-in so it could be $5 for the lot of us and... By God, we weren't going to the concession stand. My mom's going to make popcorn at home, <laughs> divvy it up in, in red plastic cups that he could also then put whiskey in for his, you know, drinking. Um, Please continue. We, we called that Tuesday. And <laughs> no, but it, so what I remember was my dad was a giant Star Trek fan, and we um, that was a movie that we went to go see and I knew nothing really about Star Trek in 1979 when we went all I knew is um, there's a very bloated guy that looks kind of like the Kirk person my dad's talking about <laughs> um, Leonard Nimoy seemed to have aged pretty well and there was a bald chick and and that was a big deal because there weren't a lot of willingly bald chicks running around at that point in 1979 <laughs> no I think there was a feature on her, and I used to get the the three two one contact magazine, which which was you know if you graduated from. I wish I could play the Hulk theme like, <laughs> over itself. <laughs> the story is just going doubling down on the pathos. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I, I yeah I remember reading that with a certain amount of fascination, but the the movie itself I was kind of like eh, it wasn't Star Wars. <laughs> it most certainly was not. <laughs> but Dad liked it, and it got us out of the house. <laughs> He even let us buy popcorn there. Get out! Yeah, no, it's true. I, I, I had a whole tub of it. <laughs> a whole tub of it. I had almost a tub of popcorn at the movies today, and I may shit myself <laughs> during the recording of this show. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. I, so. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so. I mean, following up on that, he got excited about uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, and at that point, we actually had two televisions in the house, although he had done the redneck thing, um, with the new television went on top of the old television. Oh, so like it was a console one. Yeah. Oh, and Jesus. Then, and then, yeah, he got this this uh, 20-inch Zenith. Jesus, Amanda, we've been together a long time. <laughs> I did not know you were trash. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Well, why do you think Harley Quinn appeals to me? Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was uncalled for. It's okay, sweetie. I'm I'm from the the central western portion of Massachusetts. There there is a certain amount of cousin marrying. Um, Warren Mass. I'm looking at you. So the oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. the uh, he he got excited about Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I, I would watch it occasionally, but often not because it conflicted with Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, I said that out loud. <laughs> But as as I've gotten older, um, and and before I had access to all of the cable channels that I, I have now, I did for a while get into shows like Voyager and Deep Space Nine. So I had an appreciation for it as I got older. See, I'm almost the reverse. I liked it as a kid. But even as a kid, it was our uh, on our UHF station that played. We had Star Trek at 4 o'clock and Space 1999 at 5. And Space 1999 was my jam. 
Okay. If you ask me anything about Space 1999 now, it's, uh, yeah, the dude from Mission Impossible uh, is in it. The spaceships uh, were far more realistic looking for a kid who grew up you know, not too much longer after the Apollo missions. Mm. Uh, and there was some girl with weird ridged eyebrows or hair or something like that reminded me of Harry Osborn um, <laughs> that could uh, turn into eagles and shit long before Zan and Jaina were around. That's all I remember <laughs> about it. Didn't you have the lunchbox? Uh, I had the lunchbox. I had the big eagle one playset. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, I had that. I got that for my fifth birthday. So when we went to see Star Wars later that summer, I could immediately come home. At least I had some kind of spaceship to play with. My brother, all my neighbors, they're, they're like trying to make spaceships out of, you know, they're, they're gluing X-wings on the Matchbox cars. And I at least had the Eagle One. You had Matchbox cars? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have matchbox cars. <laughs> okay, that's, that, that's enough. That's, Amanda's pathos, everybody. Amanda's pathos. <laughs> Submitted for your consideration. But, yeah, I mean, Space 1999 certainly did not stand the test of time. And I know enough at this point, having tried to revisit things like the A-Team and the $6 million man from my childhood. Hmm. Certain things are best left alone. I know there was a DVD set of Space 1999 at some point. I've... I've left that. Mm. But Star Trek continued to be on syndication. So when I was in high school, like early high school, I was reasonably into Star Trek. I mean, to the point where we would have marathons every uh, Memorial Day or whatever on the local UHF channel. And I would watch that and get excited about it. Okay. But I, I liked it enough and was enough of a fanboy about various things that when Next Generation came out, I was one of those who said, this is bullshit. The bald pacifist? <laughs> no. Fuck. The, the kid from Stand By Me? What <laughs> fuck's he doing? Is he stowing away? Is he is the shoeshine kid on the bridge? He wants to see a body. Uh, or several. <laughs> and many people wanted to see his body and not... <laughs> Not in that Dick Grayson kind did, of way. Did you ever play the, the Star Trek Next Generation drinking game? I have been drinking during Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation. It's one of those ones that's set up where it's like, you know, if Picard says, make it so, take a drink. If Riker gets the woman, chug, you know. And it would be like, um, drink if Wesley says something clever. You know, pound a fifth <laughs> if he saves the ship. Like, <laughs> now I can get as loaded as I want, which is pretty damn loaded. I don't need this game <laughs> to help me. Just saying it's, it's out there. And I would imagine that eventually, um, as more and more of these new movies come to Blu-ray, there will probably be new iterations of this drinking game. for because J.J. Abrams, and we'll talk about it more specifically with this movie in a bit, we both realized that we did like, like the, the initial reboot and thought Into Darkness was good watching it the first time, but didn't hold up quite so much. Yeah, in my head, it's not nearly, and we should watch it again. I do have the Blu-ray. I pre-ordered it because I liked the movie enough watching it, but then it's yeah. one of those that the more I thought about it, the shittier it got. <laughs> well, that's just it. There there are um, a contingent of, of those out there for whom the fan service didn't ring true for whatever reason. They didn't like the choices that Abrams made. So you know they're writing drinking games. That oh, <laughs> absolutely. And God bless them, they're doing God's work. Yeah. But... But yeah, when Next Generation came out, I, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch that until college. And the only reason I watched it in college was I went to college in the boonies of northern <laughs> New England, and we had three channels, and one of them was PBS. 
Okay. We didn't even have Fox, and this is in the early heyday of The Simpsons. I'm not sure I had Fox. We might have. I mean, why I didn't find a load-bearing member and a sturdy rope, I have no idea. So you were drinking. Uh, probably, yeah. So <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation was on afternoons or early evenings. So, yeah, in the dorms, I started watching it, and it's I always liked it. But then when I graduated, I kind of fell out of it. Mm. Deep Space Nine, my brother loved, which is not a strong endorsement for me. So I never really got into it, <laughs> although a lot of people swear by it's the best Star Trek ever. It was pretty good. I just, I never got into it. And then by the time Voyager came out, uh, my buddy Trebuchet, friend of the show, actually was in the process of all but force-feeding me Babylon 5 at the same time. So I got into that. I liked Babylon 5. So yeah, I never hooked into Voyager. So as these shows kept going on, I kind of tuned out. And I always liked the original movies, then when it switched to the next generation, the problem is it switched to the next generation with Generations, mm-hmm. which is not just a terrible Star Trek movie, <laughs> but a terrible movie. I, I know I've probably seen it. Like for a while, I was I was living in the um, the North Shoreish area outside of Boston in a, a fairly urban area where I would at times play. Where are the gunshots coming from tonight? And <laughs> and um, I only had I didn't I didn't even have basic cable. I had whatever was getting sucked in on the antennas. Remember remember antennas? <laughs> I used a lot of beer to try to forget, but yes, I, I recall. And so that that meant that I would be subject to whatever I was pulling in on the three channels or so that I had. And I think some afternoon after I was done with work, I I caught something that might have been generations <laughs> it's well it came out in like 94 95 and it was really the first right. movie to take it in the shitter from the internet <laughs> well no because it was the first movie at least that i can remember where the script leaked oh okay. and it was shit and everyone went on usenet and said it was shit so then, I remember using it. then people in a panic i guess tried to do a final rewrite and change stuff around and I didn't try hard enough. It was just terrible. Yeah, after that, I would, again, my buddy Trebuchet was also a fan of Star Trek. So we would go see, we saw First Contact. I don't think I saw the next couple. But what were the ones after First Contact? There was a Nemesis. I think that was the last one. Is that the one with the Borg? No, First Contact's the one with the Borg. All right, I've seen that one. And there's Insurrection. I think that was the next one. Yeah, yeah I don't think that I one that. I wound up seeing on cable or something. That's the one where uh, Data has gone on a mission to observe these indigenous people on this planet that is not advanced enough to join the Federation. Uh, and it was Central Western Mass, right? Uh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so he has to, uh, but he finds out that the he. There's a Federation plan to move these people and drop them on another planet because there's space oil or whatever, dilithium. And okay. So, but they can't let them know because of the Prime Directive, and Data thinks it's wrong, so he exposes himself, and not in that uh, Data exposed himself, call the police kind of way. Uh, Thank so, you for for completing that thought. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was okay, but it was like eh, it's like a two hour episode of the show, and yeah, then there yeah. was a. Then there was Nemesis with uh, with two bald pacifists. Only one was a dick, and, and I believe Bane. I think Tom Hardy played. <laughs> I never saw. Did that he turn one. to Picard and say, "I will break you"? Uh, like- <laughs> I might have gone to see it if that was the case. But then, yeah, when they did the reboot, I recognized that the J.J. Abrams Star Trek is nothing but Star Wars with the Enterprise. But that's okay. I 
never kind of fell out of Star Wars. Actually, the initial drinking game for the for the first Abrams uh, Star Trek is drink every time you see lens flare. Well, that's that's got nothing to do with making it Star Wars. That has to do with J.J. No, Abrams has a fucking problem. That, yeah, that's all I was saying. <laughs> uh, he, did, he did draw back from that in some later movies. <laughs> so, yeah, we both enjoyed the original Star Trek, the original, the, the first, second, third, eighth reboot. <laughs> the one with the, the, the kid from Smoke and Aces. Yes. And Siler, that one. <laughs> and Judge Dredd as the doctor. <laughs> I prefer to think of him as, as the kid from Bottle Shock with the eyebrows. Yeah, all right, that works. <laughs> so we liked that one, and we we liked Into Darkness well enough, although it really kind of didn't hold up in my head. So because of that... But it had Cumberbatch. <laughs> sure, that's <laughs> whatever gets you through the day. Dad. I'm sorry, I could, <laughs> I could stutter apologetically <laughs> with an English accent as well as the next guy if you need me to, if that's what it takes. Not, not right this I'm second. I'm willing to work with you. I'll take you up on that later. Oh, <laughs> I, I I feel bad about me right now. So I'm an awful human being. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, the weird thing is the fact this one was coming out kind of fell off my radar because I think Abrams moving to Star Wars completely overshadowed it. Mm. So the fact that Abrams wasn't directing it sort of knocked it down a peg, at least in my head. It was directed by Justin Lin, who I mm-hmm. think do, has done the last couple of Fast and Furious movies. Maybe. Which, that's also not a franchise. Look, I saw the first Fast and Furious, and I saw it the first time when it was called Point Break. I don't need any more of them. Uh, Do you need Nos, and do you need it by tonight? Is that the franchise? Uh, Yes, that's the franchise. That was in the first movie. Mm. Uh, I don't know what happened in any of the other movies. Some dude died. Yeah. So to the point where I would hear Star Trek Beyond, and with all the shit going on about Star Trek fan fiction and lawsuit threats, I would say, oh, Star Trek Beyond, that must be the fan fiction lawsuit. And I would just click to the next news <laughs> item. I forgot it was coming out until you, until I think Anton Yelchin died. Died, yeah. And it's like, oh shit, that's the movie? Which is such a bummer. I, I, I have always enjoyed his work. I mean, I wasn't like a mega fan or anything, but yeah, we have the new Fright Night, and he, he did a good job in that, and... He was doing a really nice job as Chekhov. <laughs> yeah, he's been solid in the stuff we've seen him in. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't want to see a kid that young die stupid because yeah. somebody doesn't know how to build a gear shift. <laughs> Allegedly. Break. I don't want to get sued. Allegedly, Jeep can't make a fucking gear shift. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I wasn't even really aware this was coming out, and I think you were more excited for it than I was. It looked good. I mean, I, I didn't go out of my way to read anything about it. I went into it pretty spoiler-free. I had no idea it was I had no idea yeah. what it was about. So I I just kinda wanted to go in and I'm just gonna experience it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you experienced it. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it more than you did. I think you probably enjoyed it more <laughs> than I did. But uh you know, when you were talking about your your criticism of insurrection being basically a two hour long episode, this did feel like it was however two hours or whatever, however long it was, episode. It it followed some themes that we've already kind of seen already. It could have been a TV show episode. Yeah, I mean, up to a point, they tried to to amp up the the stakes with. And by the way, we're just gonna spoil this. <laughs> Why stop spoiling shit now? We're good at it. The kid from Bottle Shocks in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Siler. Uh, and what's her face with the green boobs from Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, <laughs> Zoe Saldana. Uh, yeah, I know. Christ's sake! <laughs> but there were some other people in there too. Idris Elba was in it as as the big bad under many layers of makeup. I didn't have a clue that was him until the end. Yeah, I just 
but there were one or two moments I'd say, I know who that dude is. I, I and then I would be I would be knocked back with, you know, I really don't care. I just <laughs> I don't give a fuck about this guy. I don't give a fuck what he's trying to accomplish because I don't know what he's trying to accomplish and I don't fucking know why. He just I don't, seemed very angry. I don't care. It's uh, yeah, very angry. Another space dick. He was out in Central Western Mass and couldn't escape. Captain Kirk fights <laughs> fights <laughs> Hicks space dick. That's that could have been the title of the movie. Die space dick die. I'm I know that Simon Pegg has done some interviews about writing the script because he was a co-writer on the script and and what themes he was trying to hit and and why it was important. I have not read any of those interviews. Again, I wanted to just kind of go into it and experience it. Yeah, the only thing I had heard was uh, we learn in this movie that Sulu is now in canon gay mm-hmm. and, and has a kid and a partner. Yeah, and it was just, it's it's a thing they dealt with in yeah one quick scene, mm-hmm. and apparently it was meant to honor uh, Jesus. Why am I drawing a blank? George Takei. Thank you, George Takei. Uh, and Takei was against it, so that was the biggest news thing I heard. Coming then out then, of this then movie. there were some other interviews where like he 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 reclarified his position so that it was more calm <laughs> and that's great but it, it doesn't make this movie any better no but what <laughs> what that was as much as it was a tribute or so to 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 Kay, they were doing things there's a big theme in this movie around the idea of family and what is what does it mean to to have a family i agree that's definitely what they were going for, and certain things were brought up throughout it, and certain key plot points needed to service that. I just I had problems with, yep, we're a family, and then at the end of Act One, they're all split up all over the goddamn landscape. Yep. On purpose. I agree on purpose, and I agree it meets the theme. I just don't necessarily agree that makes an awesome Star Trek movie. Like I said, it felt to me like something that would have been in one of the old shows, in, in a, like a two-part episode. <laughs> yeah, it's they tried so hard, I think, to make make it feel weighty up front. One of the first things we get once they're back on the Enterprise is a space battle where the Enterprise is destroyed. And that bothered you more than it bothered me, I well, think. It's it's got no power over me anymore. It meant something when I saw it when I was 15 years old in Star Trek 3, mm. which is another not real good Star Trek movie, but I, I think they make decisions in Star Trek movies every once in a while of, this is not as good as we kind of want. Let's make it feel like it matters by destroying the ship. Because okay. the ship's another character, and the ship does not have a contract with percentages of the gross. <laughs> so the ship can die. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. But I would counter that with, they made a whole point of there's a character in this movie who finds and, and is able to cloak from the bad guy an old Federation ship, the Franklin, which was supposedly the first um, Federation ship that was able to reach warp four. And she refers to it as her home. And she offers up her home to Kirk and company as needed to take out the big bad. Again, the idea of your your family and your home you carry with you regardless of whether or not you're with them or you have a physical space in which to be. That's definitely a theme they were going for. It was very clear. It was right up front where Kirk was 
trying to get a promotion to vice admiral because after three years on this ship, he's like, oh, Jesus, every day is the same as the last. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to stick a fork in <laughs> Mr. Spock's eye. <laughs> I might try to fuck the replicator yeah. just to see what comes out. Yeah, they they were kind of funny about like you know some some people have developed some really interesting relationships that have worked that well. Others not so much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which would absolutely happen. It's like what happens if you're trapped in a submarine after a certain point. There's nowhere to go. It's, we're, <laughs> we're both drama kids. It's what happens when you're in a play, and that's yeah. what you do after school every day. These are the people you see. You're gonna try to fuck them. That's what happens. I, I didn't. You should have tried harder because you could have. I didn't try very hard. I, I was also. Uh, I thought I was trying hard, but I had. Uh, what do the kids call it? Game. I did not have game. I was uh, busy with sports. Also, that was my excuse. The, oh, dude! Look at Miss Athlete over here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, high school was a long time ago for both of us, baby. <laughs> long time ago for both of us. Uh, but yeah, they tried to make it a point of you know. Yes, uh, everyone is perhaps feeling astray and, oh, here's an incident to bring them all together. But yeah, they did it by splitting them apart. And fine, that that feeds the theme. But we kept hearing through the whole movie, Kirk and Spock, they flat out say early on, Kirk says, we're a good team, aren't we? Oh, yes, we are. And oh, these guys have the, they complement each other. They bring out the best in each other and they spend three quarters of the movie on different parts of the fucking planet with well, different fucking people. That's the whole point. It's like sometimes you have to see other people to, to realize that you're really meant to be with the what, one. What are you saying to me right now? Nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. I, I certainly don't have a Dick Grayson pillow coming from Osaka. Um, the <laughs> God damn it. I, I love you, sweetie. You uh, <laughs> too. Okay. That's <laughs> no, but I mean... If they're having this crisis of 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 conscious or conscience around, is this the group that I want to continue to spend my time with and and further my career in? And you can't make that decision. I suppose you can make that decision by continuing to stay with that person and 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 have your adventure. But I think they needed the time apart to figure out. Oh no, this is who I'm supposed to be with. That's that's fine, and servicing a theme that you have in mind, that totally works. But you can have a movie where the theme is extreme isolation uh, causes insanity. And mm-hmm. you could put Chris Pine in a closet for two hours <laughs> and watch him lose his shit. And you've serviced the theme, but you've made a shitty fucking Star Trek movie that's not nearly as good as it could be. No, I think you just gave somebody in the burgeoning field of VR an idea for a game. And I own it. All the <laughs> subsidiary rights. It, it didn't work nearly as well for me. Some of the people who were split off together had interesting moments and were some of the best moments of the movie. Having Spock and McCoy together and having Carl Urban who just does such a dead-on DeForest Kelly. Oh, he does. And Zachary Kinto does almost as perfectly as Nimoy. Yeah. Having that prickly relationship, but still, because of the crisis, grudgingly acknowledging, look, we obviously respect each other. (laughs) And then when things start to ease up, they go right back to butting heads. There were great moments like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean the whole... That doesn't save the whole movie for me. And again, I don't think the movie was terrible. There was uh, some fun stuff. 
you know, certainly the hand of a comedian on the pen of the script. Everybody had some great funny moments. Yeah. My, my God, where, uh, where Spock says, oh, I gave uh, Uhura uh, a necklace that uh, emits a particular kind of radiation. We can track her that way. And McCoy says, you gave your girlfriend a radioactive necklace? And he said, no, this will just enable us to find her location. You gave your girlfriend a tracking device? <laughs> There's some great funny lines in it. But it's, I don't think it was a great Star Trek movie, particularly not Star Trek Two, which these guys who are doing these remakes, uh, Orsi and Kersman, is that his name? His writing partner? It's Roberto Orsi and... I don't know. <laughs> they're the ones who work with J.J. Abrams on a whole bunch of shit. Okay. I think they're involved in Lost and... But yeah, they're just clearly so enamored with Star Trek Two, And I but get... They, they didn't write this screenplay. This Peg wrote this with... Um, Somebody else. Yeah, but they also, they produced it. Okay. Which means their hands are sort of on the overall tiller. Yeah. So it, there's just clearly such a love of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and I get it. I got three Star Trek movies in my Blu-ray closet. There's Star Trek II mm-hmm. and Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. Well, then that's just it. Though. I guess, you know, with these strong starts for some of these properties that that are the legacy franchises that are getting rebirthed into the world. They did good with, with the first Star Trek. The second one had some problems. This one clearly had some problems. This is now, I think, where, where the fanboys are going to be concerned with sequels and some of these other properties. You know, how good will Rogue One be? I got really excited watching that trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. You were bouncing in your seat. <laughs> and uh, look, the, the Lucasfilm slash Disney guys know how to make a trailer. Yeah. And I'm certainly looking forward to it. I've got mixed feelings about it. I've talked about it before. It's like, okay, it's the first Star Wars movie other than, uh, what was it, Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars, the, yeah. the animated one, where it's like it's a Star Wars movie that isn't really part of the Star Wars story. Yeah, it's an ancillary tale. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I sat there going, uh, there's, I, I whispered to Amanda, there's going to be a Star Wars movie every year for the rest of our lives. And as soon as I said it, I'm like, that's bullshit. They can't come out with a Star Wars movie every year for the next four years. But they will. <laughs> I mean, there's already they've they've announced one of the things that came out of Comic Con. I think I don't know if it came out of Comic Con, but it was announced very recently. They've locked down whoever the actor playing young Han Solo is. Let's talk about movies I don't really want to see. I I have a headcanon that involves young Han Solo and and all of that. It I don't need that movie. Uh, others will want it. They'll go see it. I don't need that movie as a fan. Yeah, and whenever anybody says headcanon, I picture like the worst Punisher <laughs> villain ever. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but that's not the word how I spell it in my head that's when I okay. first hear it. <laughs> but it's when we look at the Star Trek movies, the first remake, I think, was solid in that they made it almost a mission statement that we are not beholden to what you've already seen. They very specifically set it up to say, this is a completely alternate timeline mm-hmm. where... These are the same characters that you know, but now they're about to have different experiences. And because of that, the stories that you loved all happened over here. We don't have to do that, and we're not going to do it. And that was exciting. And then in the first sequel, what did they do? They immediately did the same fucking story as Star Trek Two. Kind of. And in this one, we bookended the movie with almost moments from Star Trek Two. We get a private birthday celebration with Bones and Kirk, with Kirk bemoaning his aging, mm. in this case, it was not, oh, I've aged out of being able to captain a starship, maybe. It's, I'm older than my father was when he died, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Drinking bootleg hooch, 
bemoaning they, that they their stole age. from Chekhov's locker. And is Chekhov even old enough to drink? Like, <laughs> uh, he is now. <laughs> he was nineteen in the first movie. Yeah. But, uh, and book ended uh, at the end with Kirk deciding, no, I've, despite everything that's happened, I belong on a starship, and we're going to get the band back together again. Even though I thought I was going to peel off, and so th- this well, uh, they we got this first movie where it's like we're not going to do the same shit. And then they've done the same shit every fucking time since then. Yes. But th- that's the question. Is you also run the risk of if you start doing things that are vastly different, then you really need to make sure that your shit's tight and you're telling a good story because otherwise you get the fan backlash. It's a fine line. Oh, it absolutely is. But at least there wasn't any whales in this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but... The whale one made the most money adjusted for inflation than any of the Star Trek movies. I think that that was as of the first one that came out. That could have been wow. adjusted since then. But okay. yeah, that's one that blows up in the face of, you know, I'm sitting here going, oh, they took away the spaceship and they split everybody off and did stuff. Well, they kind of did that up to a certain point with Star Trek Four, mm. And that was the biggest one. All right. So maybe what I want in a Star Trek movie isn't what the whole free world does. For me, it didn't work that well. Okay. And there's a reason I don't own Star Trek 4. Do you even <laughs> own Star Trek 3? No. Okay. Star Trek 2 is the only really, really good Star Trek movie of those first six. The sixth I'd put number two. Which one was that? Uh, the Undiscovered Country, where there, it was going to be the first treaty brokered with the Klingons. And okay. there was a Klingon captain who was utterly against it. And uh, what's her face? Samantha from Sex and the City was a was a, a Vulcan, <laughs> Vulcan rat. Okay. I've probably seen that then. And so yeah, it's but even that's good. I like that movie a lot. It's I don't like it enough to have owned it. Mm. Star Trek Two is the only one where it's like that's just legitimately good front to back. I guess you know for me it was a, a summer popcorn flick. I enjoyed it. I would need to rewatch it to see what else was really falling down for me because right now I'm just sort of in the headspace of oh, I liked it I liked uh, they introduced a new character who was kind of a Mary Sue but I liked her anyway Jayla <laughs> yeah I think she was in arguably the one of the better parts of the movie I, I'm not sure I'd go as far as a Mary Sue because this kind of thing popped, it popped up with Ray in Star Wars the the force yeah but Awaken. I mean she had like a, a ridiculously good skill set for living in isolation um <laughs> out of the eye of of a yeah, big bad. But I don't think it was as jacked up as, as you think. She was able to get uh, a, an old beatbox playing over the... the she sh- was she was um, a self-taught engineer. She was able to, before... The first person she finds is Scotty, and she knows what the word engineer means. But she that's because she's been doing that. She was able to refurbish much of the electronical work inside the Franklin well before Scotty ever gets there. And that does include a boombox. <laughs> but yeah. um, she also is able to work with this cloaking technology that she's able to get up and running so that she can keep the Franklin protected. That's and, true. I hadn't thought of that. She and did. she also is able to rig it up for personal use, which is why she was able to create what looked almost like she was becoming like multiple man. And she had like these hard light constructs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, I, I hadn't thought about those. So you, you've got a point. You know, whether, <clears throat> whether that makes her a Mary Sue, I think there's a better argument for Ray from the latest Star Wars. Yeah, although this being said... It, she... and, and, and let's be clear, I don't believe Ray from the latest Star Wars was a Mary Sue either. No. Any more than Luke Skywalker was, who 
<laughs> what is that? A Gary Stu when it's a dude? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a standard fucking fantasy character that nobody ever worried about until recently. Right. You know, the, the kid was a mud farmer <laughs> who was also the best pilot in the galaxy and force sensitive enough to be able to deal with a lightsaber without cutting his arm off. If there's a Mary Sue, Luke Skywalker is just as much as Ray is. No, that's, a, that's true. Um, what I did like about her is, yeah, she's she's clearly quite capable and able to, you know, work with things in terms of technology, and she's she's very smart. She, in terms of inviting Kirk and company into her home, they in turn inv- invite her into their family because she's given a an invitation to go to Starfleet Academy. So she's kind of a stand-in for a Wesley type character, but vastly less annoying. Yeah, and <laughs> my God, if I'm her agent, I am sitting there blowing up people's phones saying only because agents are the lowest form of life next to certain lawyers it's like you know you're gonna have an empty helm seat ever since that jeep rolled so it wouldn't surprise me to see her again yeah i mean they're saying they're not gonna recast Chekhov, which is which is good it's a tribute to the work that yelchin did on this franchise yeah no they absolutely shouldn't but you know having a new enterprise in the next movie gives them the opportunity to reconfigure the bridge <laughs> So you don't have to have that empty, awkward space. Very true. So, so yeah, it's a that's a character I, I liked a lot. She brought a lot of humor to it. Yes, I, I don't agree with the, the Mary Sue thing. I, I think you raise a good point with oh, she was great at all this technology. Yeah, okay, and self taught apparently. Yeah, but you know what? I I did a lot of uh, high level computer engineering this morning, just sort of as a side project at my job, and, and I'm self taught. It's possible to teach yourself to do some kinds of engineering. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not good at that. <laughs> I got a D minus in Pascal. <laughs> I'll, I'll teach you the hello world thing. It all goes from hello world. Can I can I use go to statements? No, fucking no. Then I'm not going to learn anything. <laughs> can Can I change colors with poke statements? I'll get you a Commodore. That's what you want. <laughs> I was good at logo. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Let's get you into Starfleet Academy. <laughs> I can make the turtle do, do geometric things. Look, it's going 90 degrees to the right. Oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't know how this machine worked. And clearly that's continuing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that character. I think that was one of the stronger parts of it. I didn't, again, Crawl, was that his name? Crawl, yeah. The biggest problem in this movie was the fucking villain. He's the worst villain in any Star Trek movie I've ever seen, and that includes Spock's grinning brother from <laughs> Five, The Final Frontier. Well, I think that's in part because they were trying so hard to keep his origins a secret, it made it hard for them to articulate motivation beyond, we're hard out here on the frontier. They <laughs> they never articulated motivation until the end, and then it didn't make any fucking sense at all. It didn't hold up with anything else that he'd done up until that yeah. moment. Spoilers, he apparently used to be a Federation officer, and his ship crashed there, and they were in his mind, left behind by the Federation. And he didn't like the Federation anyway because he was a soldier prior to the Federation becoming a thing. And once peacetime came around, there was no room for soldiers. They retired him to a captainship where he got to deal with peace and he just secretly always resented it. Which doesn't make any sense at all. It's okay. And you were a a war commander and suddenly you're a peacetime commander and you resented it and your ship crashed. Okay. I, I get that. 
But then somewhere along the line, he developed the power to suck life out of people. Yeah, there's like the magical technology that had been left behind by some other civilization. So that's a MacGuffin. <laughs> and yeah, so he's been there 150 years, 200 years, apparently building these swarm spaceships because even with this advanced technology, he never managed to get his own ship off the ground to rescue himself. Mm. Even though the crew of the Enterprise is able to get it up and running, you know, in 45 minutes in between listening to Public Enemy fight the power. Well, they got mad skills, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> mad skills and all kinds of engineered materials about on this dirt wad in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with no industry and no indigenous life who lives above ground. Yeah, I, I think they could have they could have tightened up their villain game on this because they were trying so hard to redirect and, and double blind in terms of who are these. Yeah. I, as I was watching it, I'm like, huh, it looks like the dominion looks like, it looks like some of the characters that came out of that out of deep space nine. Um, and every time Elba's character would suck the life from something, then he would look like a different, at first he looked like a member of, um, the Jem'Hadar, I think, and <laughs> yeah, this is all shit that came out of Deep Space Nine. So you had to like Wikipedia me really quick. Yeah, the show. and and then he starts to look like a Cardassian, not a Kardashian. Um. <laughs> That's how the Kardashians have ruined everything. I <laughs> I knew who the Cardassians were. Like I said, I watched some of the, the Next Generation. Yeah, but yeah, I can't hear that. That word sounds wrong now. It all, does. All I picture is implanted ass, <laughs> and that is its own kind of villainy. <laughs> it is villainy. It's the it's a wretched hive of scum <laughs> and villainy. Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> the motivations just didn't make any sense, and I'm going to attack this space station. Uh, okay, why in particular? Because well, I'm... it it seems like you know when you're making the comment, well, that you know they could have. He was already beginning to go. They found his his star log, and Cap- captain's, captain's log. log. Yes, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> and. They got my dick message. It was in contrast to the one that Kirk had been making where it was like the madness of the same fucking shit every day over and over again. What am I doing with myself? Um, and <laughs> and in his case, he, he was going crazy because, you know, what am I doing with myself? I'm, I'm a soldier and I have no wars to fight. I am I'm redundant. This And so in conjunction with feeling abandoned by the Federation, which he never agreed with as an entity to begin with, he has all this, this, this time to continue to to go mad. <laughs> I guess. On the edge of the, the Federation discovered country. I mean, there were things that they pulled from all sorts of other Star Trek movies and episodes, but they, they were trying so hard to keep us from knowing until the very last second um, that he had formerly been a Federation officer that they kind of squandered the opportunity to have a really strong villain. They squandered a lot. It's he's after this, like you said, MacGuffin, the, this thing that is somehow the trigger to an ultimate biological weapon that he's aware of, and yet Starfleet was just going to give it to these midget monster people to I don't know make them happy. That they, like it really they made it seem like the twenty seven dollars worth of beads to buy Manhattan. Yeah. But it, it somehow this creates the ultimate biological weapon on this dirt planet that doesn't apparently have any technology yet has this advanced technology to turn you into somebody who can suck the life out of people. <laughs> They're just chucking shit at the wall and it doesn't make any sense. And so why is he doing it? Because he's a wartime captain. Well, 
<laughs> it was a, a, an oblique and not effective comment on, all right, so you have veterans after wars. What do you do with them? Apparently retire them because if you give them a starship, <laughs> it's bad fucking juju. Yeah. Additionally, there were nods towards the kind of um, hive mind technology that would bring a viewer to consider the Borg. Uh, yeah, they were chucking all kinds of hints. And yeah, you thought Dominion. I thought the Borg. I whispered to you at one point, if this is the Borg, I think I've checked out of Star Trek forever. <laughs> so at least they didn't do that. Yeah, no, that's true. So I guess it sounds like as they're talking about, like they have a five-year plan and this is this is year three. If they've freed themselves of all obligation now in terms of telling, retreading things for the pr- purposes of of holding fan service constantly do we get an original story in the next one i don't know i love an original story I, I think on certain levels they were trying that here but they were just too goddamn afraid to step too far away so they gave us you know these bookends from star trek 2 and and it felt like uh, spock was very much having to put to bed the idea of doing something different and leaving starfleet and going back to new vulcan and, and all of that yeah, but even that goes back to Star Trek The Motion Picture where he was trying to reach Kolinar mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let him do it because he was half human and so he had to go back to Starfleet. That was more of a, I have to do this, I've been shamed as opposed to a choice. Right. But it's still a beat that we've seen from the Spock character. True. We're just seeing the same shit over and over again. I don't want to see the same shit. I saw that shit. I saw it when I was 10 years old. Okay. Well, what would you <clears throat> like to see? Something more along the lines of the first one. Okay. Yeah, you know, where it was uh, okay. We're splitting off. And, you know, the first one's got its problems. God knows. You know, oh, we we kick Kirk off the ship, and he happens to land on the planet where Spock is. <laughs> Old and, Spock. Yes, and agreed upon transporter technology of it only works within orbit. No, we'll just warp people and grab people at warp speed from a billion miles away. It had its problems. But at least they were sort of trying to, to make it a conscious, and certainly it was. it's disingenuous for me to say, it was an original story. No, it was designed to take the original story and split it so they could do new things. So do the new things. I don't know what those new things are. Star Trek's been a property for 50 years. It's hard to come up with something completely original with these same characters, and God knows you're pairing them off in weird ways and whatever. They, they split everybody up. Even uh, Scotty didn't get to hang out with his little alien dude. I hate that little alien dude. <laughs> as a little as, as somebody in in whatever bunker on the ice planet that also Spock was on that his, for uh, for Simon Pegg to to kick lines with a Scottish accent against, fine. He served a purpose. That purpose is gone. <laughs> he can go now. We're all good. Well, he's he's made friends with the little critters from the beginning of the movie that uh, Kirk failed to create a treaty with. Right. So <laughs> they they can go off and make... Be pantsless together. Yeah, be, just make pantsless babies of some <laughs> mutant sort somewhere in the universe. I'm fine with that. They can go. Okay. But uh, I don't want another retread of shit I've already seen. And I'm sorry, isn't Justin Lin, didn't he get picked up for some superhero movie or another? I have no idea. I think he's doing The Flash. Is he? Uh, don't quote me on that. I think I heard he was do- either The Flash or Aquaman. He's not doing, uh, Did he? does he have a horror background? Because whoever's doing Aquaman I think has a horror background. I don't fucking know. I know he's done Fast and Furious movies. Okay. And based on what I've seen with this, I don't need to see those because there were visual problems with this. 
The, yeah, you had problems with with how this was shot. There, I, I didn't. There were three or four different scenarios where, and and I get the the argument that people make because I've been known to make it now and again. You know, oh, how come in space movies ships come and they're facing each other at the same angle in space? Angle doesn't make any difference. And okay, fine, I get that. I've made that argument before. But there are at least three scenes in this where people are running up on walls and their you know, gravity is doing weird things. So they're shooting it at weird angles to show, look, they're running upside down. And it's, it didn't make me sick or anything. But after like the third or fourth time, it's like you're just fucking around for the sake of fucking around. This isn't helping the story at all. See, I It's making it harder for me to follow. I didn't actually have problems following it. I, although I do wonder if they shot some of it that way because of the 3D. I mean, we don't tend to go to 3D movies. We, we saw this in 2D. Right. But I wonder if they shot it that way because there was some added bonus to how they were shooting it in 3D. If, if they were, then fuck 3D movies even harder than I wanted to <laughs> fuck them before. It's just, it's terrible. This, we got a 3D TV. I don't think I've even put the batteries in the fucking glasses. No, I think we tried them once. See, 3D doesn't work for me because I wear glasses. So there's no way I can ever get the 3D glasses to sit properly on my face without interfering with my regular glasses. It's uh, that's not the problem I have. It's and maybe I've ne- just never seen something for where it was. Oh, it was shot for 3D as a, as opposed to processed into 3D later. Yeah, by nature, when you're shooting something, you've got different depths of field. Mm. So 3D kind of tricks you into thinking, oh, look, you're looking into a window or whatever. So I'll find them trying to focus on something in the background. Well, it was shot with a particular depth of field and a particular lens. That picture is not in focus. It's never been in focus. It's never going to be in focus. But your eye thinking, I'm looking into a window, is trying to focus on it. So my eyes are constantly trying to rack focus, and it's tiring. It is. So it's just, I, I can't stand. I'll do it if I have to. It's not like I walk out with, you know, oh, I've got a splitting headache and I'm a hipster douche and I don't like modern technology and get off my fucking lawn. But it's, it's legitimately, it bothers me. I don't like it. That's okay. So if we're getting these visual effects, be like, well, isn't this going to look awesome in 3D? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I hope you're run over by a bus. <laughs> I can't stand it. Okay. The other one that jumps out, the scene where Uhura is trying to figure out on the video viewer. I'm trying to look at the villain. So he's rewinding and playback and rewind. Yeah, you're getting actively angry sitting next to me. It felt like it went on for seven fucking minutes. She rewound and played back. It was made back and to the left from JFK. (laughs) Look like a rational fucking thing to do with a piece of tape. Because I think fucking crazy Jim Garrison and JFK only did it like four times. (laughs) She's backward, forward, backward, forward. It's like, it's not CSI. You can't fucking enhance. (laughs) You can see it or you can't. So, so were you filling time, Lynn? What the fuck? So there were I had real problems with just how certain things were put together and shot and edited. And I don't have a mind for that kind of shit. We've established this in the past. It was a miracle during Game of Thrones. I'm like, look at that shot. They're showing the two people have a wall between. I don't notice this kind of thing. If I'm noticing and I'm irritating, if I'm I'm, I'm irritating anyway. <laughs> if I'm noticing it and I'm irritated, you're fucking up. You're, Stop you're, doing that. You're known to be vexing. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nasty piece of work. So Ask it was, anybody. It was, it was the Star Trek Zapruder film. Oh, God, except <laughs> the wrong people died. 
<laughs> Back into the left, Star Trek Zapruder. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like I say, it wasn't terrible. It's not the worst Star Trek movie I've ever seen, without a doubt, no question. What's the worst Star Trek movie, man? Uh, the one with the, Jesus. Um, <laughs> the worst one? Yeah. The, there, there's a correct answer. The the worst one was, I think, Generations. Uh, close. That's the second worst. The worst. Uh, the answer we were looking for was Star Trek V, uh, directed by William Shatner. With the whales. No, that's four. Oh. Star Trek V is the one where uh, they go to look for God. Jesus. With, with Spock's grinning, retarded brother. <laughs> who wants everybody to feel emotions no matter what and and give up their pain. <laughs> I saw it on my 18th. No, I, I saw it on my, yeah, all right, fuck So you just give everybody Molly? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they just spend the entire time sucking on glow pops and, and, and just feeling the deep beats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more uh, horrifying and depressing than watching DeForest Kelly... <laughs> His his pain that they took away was that he uh, mercy killed his father who had space Parkinson's. I forget what it was called. It come down, came down to space Parkinson's, and literally four days later, they found a cure. Not a treatment. It's just like, oh, we found a cure. <laughs> One of these mud planets. The, the cure is probably what kept fucking Idris Elba alive on this planet for so many years. Could be. And uh, so that's the pain he took away. Okay. It's oh, I saw it on my 18th birthday, and it's the worst birthday I ever had. Um, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that's the. This is not that order of magnitude bad. It's not generations bad. It's got significant problems. Is it Highlander two bad? I've never seen Highlander two. There is no. You count yourself, two. yeah, lucky. Why would you even say that? They made that one perfect movie. <laughs> And then they they never made it a property. They just left it alone. <laughs> Don't fuck with my illusions. Sunny, <laughs> Sunny Spoon's the bad guy of Highlander too. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <sighs> <It's>, <laughs> I've literally never seen Highlander too. That's all right. Uh, but, it's, but it's this is not bad on that level. But it's got problems. It's got problems that could have been solved. It, the weirdest thing to me. I mean, the the strongest stuff was the characterization again. Everybody got some funny lines. I think all the characters were generally written well. Mm-hmm. The, there was good interplay between the characters. Um, there's anything in in that that jumped out at you? Well, again, this is where they they missed an opportunity to to really create a strong villain because if the message that Kirk is taking away from this is no, I'm stronger together with the family that I've created for myself, and and I'm not that guy. I am still a captain, and I'm in this for the right reasons. They they could have, I think, given us more about that. Let us know from the beginning that this is what's up. <laughs> yeah, they could have had a much stronger story if this was about what how difficult it is for, and I, I know nothing about this for um, a soldier to walk away from war. That. I think that would have been a far stronger story. Yeah, except they even kind of half told that in Star Trek Into Darkness when RoboCop stole the Dreadnought and was <laughs> ready to go to fight whoever he was fighting. Right. Okay. But still, for the purposes of, of making the story stronger, if they had just decided to be upfront about that, I think it would have made a much stronger counterpoint to Kirk deciding that he's, he's going to be in it and remain a captain for all the right reasons, whatever those are. 
Yeah. Hey, look, Eric Bana as whoever he was in the first Star Trek, also not a great villain. Yeah. 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 He was interesting in that he used a colloquial modern speaking style as an angry Romulan, but (laughs) the concept of, oh, no, my planet blew up in an alternate timeline. I'm going to spend 18 years waiting for baby Spock in this timeline to grow up so I can kill his planet. That doesn't really make it. That's not good villainy. That's kind of stupid. Yeah. But that was better by an order of magnitude than I'm going to suck the bones of Federation people clean and blow up a space station because I miss war. That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's... But again, if they had if they had gone from the premise right up front, they might have been able to tell a more fleshed out story around why that character wanted to do that than hiding it until the end as a reveal. They could have, but the road they went down, there was no way out of it. If you're going to stick with the, oh, this is a ship that crashed years ago and the crew has been driven mad and wants to live in a more warlike time, that was Space Seed, which was the story that led to Wrath of Khan. Everything here just feels like it came from something else. It just, it does it doesn't hang together for me. It's, it's entertaining. And that's what some fans are running into with these legacy franchise reboots. And, and I get it. <laughs> There's a really vocal contingent of folks that really didn't like the force awakens because they felt that it, it um, adhered too strongly and too unoriginally to um, a new hope. And, and that's the problem I'm having with this, and it's a problem I didn't have with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, it's certainly the basic premise is absolutely the same. But they didn't dwell, they would make nods toward the old one and then move in another direction. Yeah. Now, here's the hook and ladder company, that's not going to work, we'll go over here. Yep. You know, it's, uh, oh, uh, here's cameos, and the cameos, frankly, didn't work for me nearly as well as they probably did for a lot of people, because they made me remember the first one, where Mm -hmm. I was kind of getting drawn along, and the, all right, this is something, while at the core, it's the same thing, it's moving in a different direction. With here, it just felt like everything sort of came from other stuff, and it's a, no, you're coming from other stuff that's been done better already. You know, move it in that direction that you kind of promised people, for good or ill, it was a bold statement in that first movie to say every story now has nothing to do with what you've already seen. Yeah. And Other then, than what we can pick from the bones to to re-amalgamate into this other story. Well, and that's the problem. They keep picking at the fucking bones. So it hasn't really gone in another direction. It's just, uh, oh, we're going to tell that same story, but twist a few things. Uh, no. I got Star Trek too. I, I, don't, I don't need it again. I just, I don't. <laughs> That that's okay. I mean, is this suffering from? You know, they say the Star Trek movies. You want to go with the even numbered ones. This is an odd numbered one. <laughs> yeah, but but the odd numbered one was the first one that was good. That's true. And the second one, uh, I'm willing at this point to put the second one in to see if it was better than this one. Because, uh, like I said, in my uh, Punisher murdering headcanon, <laughs> it has not held up. But I've watched it in a couple years. Okay, so. I don't think we'll have time tonight to do it, but no. maybe sometime this week. But but yeah, it's... Uh, all right, trying to count off. Star Trek Six Generations was seven. First Contact was eight. What was nine? We talked about this earlier. I've already put it out of my fucking Nemesis? Bed. No, Insurrection. No. Insurrection was nine. Nemesis was ten. 
So Star Trek one is eleven, so odd numbered, and that flipped it on its head. So yeah, no, it doesn't matter anymore. Okay, <laughs> it's all fucked up. <laughs> one thing that struck me did was the end of this. Did it feel kind of like an overall ending? It did. It, it felt like Abrams was trying to hedge. Like if I'm too busy with Star Trek, this this is my closed set. If I'm too busy rather with Star Wars, this is going to be my closed set. Yeah, because it it seems to me that. I'm not sure about this. People are under contract, and certainly producers are already talking about, oh, and the next one, we're not going to replace Anton Yelchin. Yeah, they're, they're, they have said that. They're not going to replace Yelton. But the, but that means they, uh, they clearly they're planning to make another one. Yeah, I think they, they want to do, at the very least, five, because they were talking about how Kirk has signed a five-year contract or pledge or whatever to Starfleet. But it's this felt very much like an ending of okay, uh, we're done with this. Just to me, it's like we got Kirk and Spock back together. Yeah, uh, they're committed to continuing uh, that very pointed picture of the original crew mm-hmm. <laughs> that was given by Ambassador Spock to Spock in this universe. It just felt very much like a. Yep, you know what? Uh, all these things have been wrapped up, and we're going to go in this direction. We're going to have our five-year mission, and we're going to have a big, long history. And thank you. Good night. They've got to have at least one more because there's going to be the comedy moment in the next one where Spock experiences Ponfar. <laughs> oh, I think he's been experiencing it regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a million things you could do with it. They keep doing the same shit with it. But no, it's just, and, and maybe it was just me. At the, at the end of this, it really sort of felt like, a, okay, it's the end of the trilogy. Maybe everybody's off cam, off contract now. Maybe this is the end of it. Yeah, I, I think they have plans for at least two more. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a hell of a lot more to say about this. It's just, it really, a lot of it fell flat to me. There was entertaining parts of it, uh, but there was just a lot of it of, you know, uh, this villain is terrible. <laughs> I, I think I think this is their opportunity to begin to go in new directions with new Starfleet characters. Um, we had the Commodore that we met for the first time here at the space space center, space station, rather space station. <laughs> space I, think the, I think the space center is at Epcot. <laughs> I think Tell you're you right. Truth. You're right. Uh, we've got um, Jayla who's going off to Starfleet, so you, you figure she'll probably be on the bridge next movie because she's easily the breakout star of this. Yeah. Um, and this, yeah, if they're pulling new characters from Starfleet, then we'll probably see some new blood on the bridge, which is their opportunity to start taking it in different directions. It's, I don't have a problem keeping the original characters. Just do something different with them. And I don't know what you do. You've got a hundred something episodes of the original series and six movies with those characters and God knows how much in the way of They're also developing a new television series. I don't care about that either. I don't. <laughs> I'm just saying. So there may be t- ties into that. I, I don't. I don't know what their plans are for that. I don't know when they're setting that. I mean, and it's always Star Trek belongs on television because yeah, this is this on a television show. This could have been a very decent 44 minute story. Sure. You take out the destruction of the Enterprise, which just again did nothing for me. You brought up what we were talking at the restaurant after the movie of well, every generation. You know, must have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe it affects them differently, I suppose. But Although I don't know how, how many new fans would be that seriously affected if this is only the third time they would be seeing the Enterprise versus people with 
history with the Enterprise, like my dad, I can only imagine how it impacted him when he saw that. Yeah, I mean, when when they blew up the Enterprise in Star Trek Three, it was a long, boring scene. Of, <laughs> it, it required the entire, it wasn't the entire bridge crew, but the, the Trinity, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, yep. to give the order. They were killing the Enterprise, you know, who had kept them safe for so long. There was a, a of a movie that really <laughs> tried that was to search for Spock, wasn't it? Yeah, tried yeah. to keep its emotions on its sleeve with, "Hey, we're bringing Spock back," you know, even though uh, Christ, the producers at that time, they got all that emotion out of killing him, and almost immediately after they released Star Trek Two, it's like, "Oh no, we're bringing him back in the next movie." Yeah, I don't understand money people sometimes. <laughs> Maybe if somebody would send me some money. Or beer. Or some fine Berkshire Brewing Company Steel Rail Pale Ale. <laughs> if I knew I had an infinite supply, I wouldn't drink it like they're going to make it illegal tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe I would understand how you can make some of these decisions. But but yeah, that was a really emotional moment in a movie that was really not that great. But it was, again, that was a ship that had, yeah, 100 episodes of history and at that point had been in the public consciousness for 20 years yeah. yeah. This version of the Enterprise, it, it always looked like it came from an Apple store. You chuck what you get from the Apple store every two years to get the fucking new one anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I, they should have had a guy in a turtleneck going, Enterprise 2. <laughs> I Enterprise. <laughs> it's got a proprietary headphone dock. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get that. They even fucking telegraphed at the beginning. It's like, Enterprise is the only ship that can go into that nebula. You're right, Captain. The only ship that's more advanced. We're building at this very space station as we speak. Well, even with that, though, I thought like that was going to be... They were going to complete it and then have to use that to come save them, and that turned out not to be the case. They Captain Kirk doesn't need to be rescued. <laughs> it's a Picard wuss who needs someone to come <laughs> bail his ass out. Locutus of Borg traitor. <laughs> How do you really feel? I don't know. I, th- I thought that show was all right. <laughs> <laughs> Their bartender was Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> they so had a bartender. I know. And she served an excellent drink called the Shark Jump. <laughs> That's when that show lost me, kind of. Uh, hey, look, I respect she was a Star Trek fan and wanted to be on it. I- I'm not going to begrudge her anymore than I begrudge Sam Jackson wanting to be a Jedi in Star Wars. Does anybody look back on Star Trek The Next Generation and go, God, if only there was more Guinan. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. That's the first time that sentence has ever been fucking uttered. And it's recorded. I have to take responsibility for it. <laughs> I feel terrible about it. But <laughs> I, I don't think anybody has ever said that. I don't even think Whoopi Goldberg ever said that. <laughs> she shouldn't. <laughs> I, I was entertained... But just not a real good movie. And certainly, of the three, I mean, right now, yeah, I'll need to rewatch Into Darkness. But so far, my gut is, yeah, the weakest of the three since they've remade it. Okay. That's valid. I'm not sure that it was. But I'd have to rewatch it. For for me, it hit all the thematic notes nicely. I, I enjoyed watching people pair up with different um, characters than they would normally hang out with. Uh, it, it had sort of an interesting kind of uh, mismatched buddy cop vibe to it, which, when done well, which this was, is entertaining. Uh, yeah, it's uh, up to a point. Except there weren't that many. <laughs> there weren't that many groups. There was a uh, there was Kirk and Chekhov. Yep. There was McCoy and Spock, and then there was everybody else. There who, was Scotty oh, and Jayla. Scotty and Jayla, and then and, there was- and Uhura with uh, Sulu and the little green guy who 
uh, was able to break them out briefly by sneezing on things. Apparently, when he gets cold, it's it's like alien acid. <laughs> He served a purpose. Maybe he doesn't have to go off with the pantsless aliens and make pantsless (laughs) alien babies. Well, no, it was. I think he was. Don't think I haven't missed that he's at perfect Scotty blowjob height. That's yeah. You and like eight hundred other fans. (laughs) Uh, All right, I I don't. I don't trust. I'm I'm normally a comics guy. I don't truck with a Star Trek fan. I don't know where those or the slash. I'm sure there's slash fic about those two. Oh, if not, I own that. With all the <laughs> subsidiary rights. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to picture that. Although, yeah, you, if if you can say it out loud, it exists somewhere as porn on the internet. Oh yeah, what is it? Rule thirty four. If yeah. it exists, there is porn of it. Yeah, and so. you know that there's already been some sort of parody porn of the new Star Trek. So I'm sure there's. <laughs> if there is, I haven't seen it. There's oh, already honest. um. There's already a triple X parody porn of the new Ghostbusters. Well, of course there is. <laughs> and of Justice League. And um, so it's out there. If not, uh, Vivid or somebody will be dropping it soon. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> and look, you say you need to see it again. I, I Chuck rat- Tingle will write a book. <laughs> Slammed in the butt by Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you say, oh, I got to see it again. I'd rather spend the money and see Ghostbusters again to try to keep that going because they at least tried to do something different whether you think it worked or not at least it's like let's take the property and try and keep just the core of it that was good and fun and do something different with it okay that's valid and it's a, I, I felt that way about the first Star Trek it's like cool you're gonna do something different you can start any time now I'm ready <laughs> alright anything else or no, do you want to talk I, about a couple comics let's books? talk about some comics alright which one do you want to do first uh, why don't we talk about Justice League Speaking of non- uh, non-starters that that didn't really have much to say <laughs> and could yeah. have gone off in a new and different direction, yeah, this was uh, <laughs> this was very disappointing for me. Uh, justice, very disappointing. Just, <laughs> justice. What a bunch of a holes. Justice League number one, uh, written by Brian Hitch, art by Tony S. Daniel. The first thing you should know about this book is uh, Amanda, who. This is not a, a slam. Does not read as quickly as I do. Because you're inhuman. <laughs> I, I do read very quickly. Yes. Uh, Amanda read this book in three minutes. Yeah. Within three minutes. She's like, what? what is this? What? <laughs> hey, I just read 20 pages of, of nothing happening other than we finally named a villain. Yeah. I don't even remember <laughs> what they named it. The, the, uh, the Kindred. The, the Kindred. Okay. The uh, kindred. Yeah. Regent is uh, over in Spider-Man now, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, w- what are your thoughts? Because I, I, I have plenty why the fuck did they write this? <laughs> Can you be a little more specific? Like, what the fuck just happened here? Like, <laughs> like, I, I open it up, and it, it, let me start with this. Here's the positives. Tony Daniel has beautiful art in this book. There, there are some... You can't accuse his work of being static. It's dynamic. It's, it's full of action. Um, there was much fury. As far as Hitch's writing, there was little sound. <laughs> Yeah, it, this book is state-of-the-art comics, provided it's 1999 and you've never read The Authority. Yeah, okay, all right, that, that's where every time they showed the emerging villain in terms of some art cues, I'm thinking, like, is, is this supposed to be some sort of Daemonite thing? Is that still in play in this universe? Are we folding in more Wildstorm shit? Like, what? <laughs> 
and and it's possible that's what they're getting at. But there were just big parts of this that just harken back to the original authority and even Mark Millar having taken over from Warren Ellis. There's Yes. We open with a superhero intervening in an ongoing war to stop it, which is, it's Wonder Woman up front, and that's just clearly out of the authority's mandate. We will intervene and we will make the world a better place no matter whether we have a place in politics or armed conflict or not. Right. That's pure authority. We get the phrase extinction level event by the fifth page. And also at some point somebody says, and I feel like feel like it might have been Wonder Woman. I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick. It's really hard with the nine page ad spread in the middle of this fucking book. Yeah, um, can we stop that shit, please? Number one, <laughs> it's not just ads. Most of it is an ad for a DC rebirth comic. That I've already read in like eight other books, and now I don't care. Yeah, it's if we've found one of your comic books, we're likely to be buying more than one. You don't need to hype them. You've already got us. And the fucking Snickers ad in there. Jesus. Which, I mean, implying that Wonder Woman becomes a monster without a Snickers. Because, you know, bitches love chocolate. I said it in the last episode. Just give her a Midol. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I don't disagree with you. It's horrible. They're pretty. I don't know who did the art. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Um, Batman says, uh, Victor got a situation here. Alert the authorities. We'll need a quarantine. Like, that feels... Like a nod? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I see where you're coming from. That didn't jump out at me. But this is also me. right after they, um, this on on this page, where he's in um, discussion with, with Cyborg over the comms. Tell me that that oh, it looks exactly- ship doesn't look like something out of the authority. Oh, yeah. It looks exactly like when God came back in, yeah. in Ellis's, I think, final story for the authority. Yeah. Uh, and was going to re-terraform the Earth, monster form it, yeah. so they could take it back. And that feels like what they're doing here, because stuff's exploding up out of the fucking ground. Yeah, all intimating with all the dialogue that it's some older power than humanity that has a claim on Earth. But they've got this, this red glowing eye shit going on, and it confuses issues because in the previous Green Lantern book, the, the Red Lanterns are bringing back some sort of fucking rage shit. So somehow oh, yeah, the, this is the Red Dawn. Yeah, somehow this is fucking concurrent with that, and and in terms of an art choice to go with something that's glowing fucking red. Yeah, because you did. <laughs> you read it for three minutes, and by forty five seconds, in, you're like, "Oh, this Red Dawn shit." Yeah, <laughs> and then it wasn't. And like, no, oh, it wasn't. All right. Yeah, it's there's nothing in this book that wasn't done first and better in Warren Ellis's Authority, which was drawn purely by coincidence by brian hitch right <laughs> yeah okay hey brian yeah it's a that and Stormwatch. yep which is really the be- the beginning of that kind of widescreen comics era you know and yeah it's daniel's art it's fine in this it's a lot of big splashes uh the the thing i liked best was the double page layout of the flash mm-hmm. where he's got a ton of small panels at varying just areas within the page that sort of force your eye to dart around and yep. simulate fast pace and speed. It's a really well done spread. Yes. But yeah, overall this has been done earlier and better ironically by people doing justice league pastiches. It's kind of disappointing. 
It's it's as though you have the opportunity to do something brand new with a rebooted property, and you decide to go with the greatest hits. Yeah, look, Hitch picking is, the bones, as it were, from other stories. <laughs> as a writer, Hitch is new. Mm. Yeah, I think the 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 first thing I'm aware of him writing was Justice League of America, maybe a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. And no, he wrote. Um, didn't he write that? He co-wrote Wonder Woman, I think, with his wife. So he's he's done. No, that's a, the Finches. Oh, Finches. Sorry, those are the Finches. Yep. Um, no, I think he did that uh, reality show comic book with Jonathan Jonathan Ross. Wasn't that? He drew it. He drew it. Okay. All right. So I yeah, maybe his first instance as a writer was Justice League. Yeah. So you know, look, when, when you're a new writer, maybe you. You you draw on influences certainly, but and mo- yeah, if you're going to draw from from an influence, Warren Ellis certainly not cool yeah. with that. But and and maybe it's just as simple as most new writers are doing pastiches of other characters for smaller imprints and publishers, and you don't necessarily see those. This is Justice League, man. It's going to be kind of obvious, right? But you know, as as we've said, along with some other things, you know. This is issue one. We're not excited about where it's going, but you have to give the writer time to play out their arc. Yeah, I mean, I'll continue to give it a shot. It's just uh, just a weird synchronicity in me that the new Fifty Two started with whole new whole new direction on Justice League. It's the first book in the new Fifty Two, and now five years later, you no, know, we've done Rebirth for a while, and it really just reminds me of other books from before the new Fifty Two that were better. They were better. They were they were groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. You can only break ground once. That's just the reality of it. So it's... Look, if you're a big fan of those big old widescreen comics and want a fresh dose of it, then, well, I don't know how fresh it is, but here's a dose of it. <laughs> here's a dose of it. So, <laughs> or you can go buy um, Stormwatch and The Authority in their various trade paperback forms at your local comic book store. <laughs> Indeed. They, they just re-released in the last year uh, all of the Stormwatch stuff hmm. in, in new bindings. Ooh. So, and continuing to speak of trying to go back and do something you've already done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or Do we have anything else on Justice League? No. I, I, pretty to look at didn't tell much of a story. And what story it told did not seem to be particularly original. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you. However, yeah. if you happen to be at a convention and you see um, these panels that Daniel drew, I, I think they're they're worth your investment because they're just good to look at, particularly that Flash one. Oh, they're pretty. Yeah, I like them. I have to see if he's coming to Boston Comic Con. Maybe we'll... He's been before. Yeah, I don't know if he's on the list this year. I forget. Okay. It's possible. It feels like everybody else in the world is. <laughs> yes. Which is good. Yes. Thank God. Come to Boston. <laughs> Just yell, hey, Sully, and we'll all be your friend. <laughs> in the meantime. In the meantime. Uh, for more of the <laughs> more of the same. Uh, the Hellblazer. Not Hellblazer. No. The Hellblazer. But they brought back the font. Uh, Hellblazer with the original logo, but with a the tacked on it. Number mm. one. Number uh, one. Written by Simon Oliver, art by Moritat, which was cool. And I had a much more favorable reaction to this book. Although, again, art-wise, my first thought was, wow, I, I hadn't really realized how much I missed Moritat. Moritat I can't even say the name right now. <laughs> Moritat's art since um, All-Star Western um. <laughs> oh yeah, the the early issues of All Star Western were 
most of the reason to read it was Moritat's art. And I, I love Palmiotti and Gray on Jonah Hex. I have almost every issue of their pre-New 52 Jonah Hex run. I understand why in All-Star Western it's, nope, let's DC Comics it up and put them in Gotham and then bring them to the future. And it's, uh, no, man, just give me, give me a good Western. Jonah Hex was a good Western. So All-Star Western didn't work nearly as well for me, but it was a damn good-looking book. Uh, yeah, and it, it grew on me. I, I really enjoyed it by the end of its run. I never hated it. And even when they brought him into the future, it's like, all right, they did some cool stuff with it. It's yeah. Like, look, they have a handle on that character, and they, they put him in situations where it's like, I, I don't really want to see Jonah Hex in this situation, but it never they never made the character do something untrue to himself. Yeah which is what made it all very readable all the way through, even and though I vastly preferred Jonah Hex to All-Star Western. As they were getting ready to go into the future, it also gave them an excuse to bring back Booster Gold. <laughs> Everybody likes Booster Gold. Yes. Unless you're a communist. <laughs> Still waiting for Booster Gold with Rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, all right. We're, so, we're back to the, <laughs> as close to the Hellblazer name as we're going to get for a while, apparently. This, uh, you know, it it's a self-contained issue, which I think isn't the worst way to kick off. Things happened in this book. It was it was a one and done that tried very hard to tell you this is what this character is in this new status quo without turning its back on what the creative team uh, whose name names now completely. It had been um, James Tynan, um, Tynan the Fourth, or yeah. and uh, Ming Doyle as Thank the writers. You. Thank you. <laughs> For whatever reason, I just couldn't lock onto it. But uh, and I didn't. I didn't hate Constantine the Hellblazer. Uh, this feels more true to the original, in air quotes, John Constantine from Hellblazer, yeah. which is not even the original John Constantine from Swamp Thing. They they put him back in London first of all. <laughs> yeah, it's they try very hard to get it back more toward the old basics of the character from the Vertigo book. Yes. They they bring Chaz back. Uh, they they yep. they quickly reestablish that he's willing to play chicken with demons um, at the expense of great peril to those around him, including the entire city he purports to love. And, and let's just take a second. It's hard to tell. I went panel by panel, so I can't say a hundred percent. But it seems the longer trench coat is back. I, I Which think, is a silly thing to be locked up on. No, but. it's not a silly thing to be locked up on. It's not. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I'm trying to find it, but I seem to be stuck in a fucking Snickers ad. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate those. I want to get out of rebirth just to get away from that shit. <laughs> it's so horrible. Um, yeah. Cause I, looking at the, the demons holding him upside down, a trench coat would have to be at least calf to ankle long for it to fall down that far. Um, now that he's upside down, but I could be mistaken. Well, <laughs> It's like a, in its own way, it's a silly thing to, to get hung up on. But if you take a step back, this is a comic book, and we are comic book geeks. And every time they change a costume, it's, no, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Looking at this, where he's um, embracing Chaz, it looks like it's at the very least mid calf. It, it seems this is not what I wanted to get hung up on. I just wanted to say as an aside. Well, no, but but the it is a big deal in the original Hellblazer run. There's an arc given to Constantine's fucking jacket. Oh, it seems some shit. <laughs> it seems some shit. It's its own fucking character. Up it's to... evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Enter- Enterprise for his ass. <laughs> it's like, it's. All right, have you ever seen the kids in the hall sketch the beard? 
Uh, I really don't watch. Kids All right, in the hall. so the kids in the hall. There, there's a sketch where on vacation, one of the characters grows a beard because you're on vacation and you don't have to shave or whatever. And <laughs> I last shaved in July of 2000. Okay, well, this is some straight-laced <laughs> Canadian dude. I don't. Okay. And, <laughs> and so at the end of the vacation, he's like contemplating shaving, and he's staring at his face in the mirror and. And he's, you know, thinking about it, and he's like, yeah, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll just go in one day. And and the wife character in the background is like, oh, so you're going to shave today? No, the beard stays. You go. Like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so the, the beard just, like, takes on its own life, and it eventually possesses him and, and causes his death where he jumps out a window because it's infected his mind. And then the, the beard, like, finds its way onto another host. Like, it's... <laughs> So I'm still not going to shave. I don't care what cautionary <laughs> tales you chuck my way. The beard stays. You go. <laughs> <laughs> the beard was here first. <laughs> In any event, uh, the the trench coat has a life of its own. It's it's been so imbued with with uh, Constantine's personality and the magic he's been around and the demons and the blood and the gore and the. It has its own persona and and um, AI, frankly, at this point, yeah. <laughs> and and whoever comes across the jacket sort of becomes infected and possessed by it. The only person strong enough to be able to wear the jacket is Constantine. It's a, look one of Garth Ennis's lines. I think it was Garth Ennis, although it may have been Neil Gaiman in Books of Magic. Uh, but it's you know, and then I show up all trench coat and cigarette. Yeah, that's half the character. Yeah, so I. Yeah, I say uh, it doesn't matter that much. It, it it bummed me out a lot when they went to the shorter coat in the last one. What's but he doing on on issue one cover? It, he's making me want a fucking cigarette. He's <laughs> me... After all those years of like, trying to like beat the the trench coat into submission and uh, play down the smoking, no, Oliver and Moritat know where it's at. <laughs> yeah, well, also they're not trying to support. A television show where yeah. they wouldn't really let him smoke and they didn't give him the full trench coat. There right. was a certain amount of that in Constantine the Hellblazer of, okay, we got to have the character ready for the TV. What, canceled? Oh, shit. All right, well, we're already <laughs> doing this, so let's do it. Yeah, so, yeah. And again, I don't dislike that arc. I think they did a lot of interesting stories in it, uh, but it's it's not the Constantine I grew up with. Neither is this. No. Yeah, this is... They try very hard. Look, first of all, they they make it very clear whether it was by editorial mandate or a choice Oliver did. We get a page of, oh, here's Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. Fuck you, he's Captain Marvel, not Shazam. I don't care. He's he's played by Brie Larson? Uh, Sure, why not? (laughs) I'd watch the hell out of that movie. (laughs) Brie Larson kicking the rock in the taint? I could watch that all day. But they make a very big point of showing, look, okay, he's still in the DC universe. And while I prefer the Vertigo, not in that, de- he he debuted in the DC universe. He was part of Crisis on Infinite Earths, for Christ's sake. Yeah. So I can, I can, if I can't get behind it, I can understand the decision. But they also, they, they try so hard in this to show he's a bastard. And I don't think it works as well as it could. The The whole plot twist, it's not plot twist, but the whole plot, spoilers is in order to get whatever curse forced him to leave London. He needs the name of the demon that inflicted it on him. Otherwise he can't turn it back. Right. And he shows I'm willing to curse every citizen of London to have their soul ripped away. And yeah, that's big and that's bad, but it's also abstract in its own way. 
watching in old Constantine stories, I'm thinking of like the first trade where he lets, uh, what's it, Gary or his friend who goes into the computer and he just yeah. has to pull the plug on him. That's tragic. That's heartbreaking. It's also nut cutting. I will kill this guy if I have to to get what I want. And I'll live with the guilt, but I'll do it. The abstract of, oh, I'll let everybody die. And we sort of see some individuals as it goes along. It's not nearly as affecting to me. No, it's 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 abstract big stakes. But it's also, I think, the effort of the writer to get it back in perspective in terms of this is how big of a bastard he is. Yeah, and I think the ending was the most effective part where he's breaking the fourth wall saying if you, you know, if you think I wasn't willing to do it, well... I don't really give a shit what you think. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd have to see. So it, it kind of worked, but it wasn't, near, it wasn't nearly as affecting to me as those early Hellblazer stories where he would betray his friends and allow them to be damned or destroyed or killed for what he thought his greater good was. Yeah. Now, making it... That's like the old Stalin quote, you know, statistic versus tragedy. We dealt in statistics here, and it wasn't as effective for me. Right. And the MacGuffin of um, my mere presence in in this plane on London is, is going to somehow attract the attention of the one psychic I need out of all of them ever in the world who is going to come to my aid at the 11th hour. For, for a one and done to introduce the character in a world of magic, that didn't bother me. I'm willing to accept it. Okay. Uh, what I was willing to accept less was the whole, I forget the demon's actual name, Laughing Nib- Boy. Nibis. Okay. But uh, the concept that this whole curse came down because Constantine convinced him, oh, if I go to hell, I'm going to lead a revolt and they're just waiting for me down there. Uh, that I, wasn't... Yes. Uh, I, found, I found the, I'll let everybody in London die before, <laughs> before yeah. I walk away, more convincing than, oh, all the demons are waiting for is me. And then we'll go kick ass. <laughs> it, that didn't ring right to me. Yeah, the demons are revolting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> God. Quit smiling, you idiot. You're supposed to be a professional. I'm sorry. It was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> As a return to sort of a more original Constantine, it was encouraging. Clearly, Oliver is willing to say, that I'm willing to write a character who will go to extreme selfish lengths in order to win. Yes. And and to get back to London because the curry there is exceptional and far better than what you can find in New York. I have never been to London. I'm not the world's biggest Indian food fan. Anyway, so... I, I can I can co-sign uh, what Constantine's saying about the curry over there. Okay. Vindaloo over there gave me a nosebleed. And that's... In a good way. There's There is no good way. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> But yeah, we're back to a bastard Constantine. The idea of one is like, look, wherever I go, it's just whiskey and cigarettes and my Batman toothbrush. <laughs> that I think was my best panel in it. It's like, this it's all I need. I travel light. So, yeah. yeah. All right. That's John Constantine. Yep. I think parts of it were overblown. Parts of it could have been more personalized to make it a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more horrifying and effective. Yeah. I mean, they, they went out of their way to reference the Astrid thing, which was... It's in his past, but they made more of a big deal about it on the TV show, which makes me wonder to what degree they're going to try to keep things, even though the TV show is no longer a thing. It's it's being rebroadcast on the CW Seed, although um, according to the the, the producer of, of the failed television series, there are no plans at this time to bring it back. Well, it's a shame. I thought it really got 
pretty good by the end of its 13 issue episode issue episode <laughs> episode run. Well, I'm hopeful insofar as you know they were able to make the deal to free the character up to show up the one time on the Arrowverse. They did in one of the other magical oriented episodes make the point of saying we would have Constantine here, but he's literally in hell right now. So they're trying to keep the idea of the character in play. Look, the best part of that show was Matt Ryan. And if yes. Matt Ryan, he at least publicly said he loved playing it. He came back to do it on Arrow. If he's available and they can, fine, give him a whole new show with a whole new whatever. No, get rid of all the backup cast shit. You chucked your original backup girl in the first three episodes of the first one anyway. The first two episodes. Oh, she was awful. Yeah. So fine. Just drop them, drop them back in London. Yeah. All right. Uh, nope. <laughs> I, went, I went home. I went home. <laughs> now I'm on the DCW where people are just going to love me anyway. So yeah, that could work. That's what, you know, BBC America needs to develop. It needs to find a way to buy the rights away from NBC and, and develop it for, for BBC. Yeah. But either way, it's, now we're stuck on the TV show. Where we're talking about the the comic book, and but the, now I'm going to say something that goes back to Star Trek. And <laughs> okay, this is a comic book that is clearly trying to reclaim an earlier version of the story rather than go in a new direction. And it is utterly hypocritical of me, yet true, to say I want that here. I I I was also similarly hypocritical when we talked about Wonder Woman last week. Yeah, it's that's I want my traditional comfort story. Being a fan is not logical. It's nope. never been logical. <laughs> Word fan comes from fanatic. There's something basically wrong with us right from the beginning. Anybody who's willing to spend several hundred dollars, if not a couple thousand dollars of their own money to build a radio station so that they can talk about comic books to strangers on the internet has something wrong with them. And we can be hypocritical about certain things, as weird as it seems. But as I'm sitting here going, God, I said, this is what I want from Hellblazer. Don't do it with Star Trek. I don't like it over here. <laughs> it's bad over here. Don't put my chocolate with my peanut butter. Yeah, even though that can be awesome. <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I was this person last week. I I enjoyed the new Ghostbusters I enjoyed the new directions it was going in. At the same time, while I was railing on certain components of various geekery in my life about going off in new directions, I I really enjoyed the 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 fact that they were bringing Wonder Woman back to traditional Paradise Island and Steve Trevor and and all of the things that I look for in a Wonder Woman story which had not been present for years at that point right under azarello and the finches so it's i think it all comes down to and we brought this up at some point in the last several weeks but you're not necessarily a fan of a property you're a fan of this book when this person was writing it at this point in, in time this particular series of arcs right i was railing against hell hellblazer by the end under milligan and i like peter milligan <laughs> yeah so it's probably, maybe it's not hypocritical. Because they had Scooby-ganged him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew up on Star Trek, but it's not one of the most major properties in my life. So yeah, I experienced all that. I want to experience something new. I, I like the characters, but I'm not latched on to them. Yeah. John Constantine is a character I was latched on to. You put some of my favorite comic arcs up, and one of them is Garth Ennis's. 
in particular, Garth Ennis with Will Simpson, mm-hmm. which will make Steve Dillon fans berserk, but I liked Will Simpson's art better. I, I really only ever need to see Dillon's work in the context of Preacher. After that, everybody looks like Tulip and everybody looks like Jesse. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> a lot to be said for that. But yeah, that, that's my John Constantine. And, and the fact that I loved it means I want to see more of that. I'm sure there are Star Trek fans out there who will go see Star Trek Beyond and say, I love that they referenced Star Trek 2. That made my day. Well, I'm not latched on to Star Trek. I want new stuff. I'm latched on to John Constantine. Give me more stuff that's like the stuff I wanted. I guess that's kind of the nature of fandom. Yeah. You know, I discussed last week with Ghostbusters. I loved it, but I loved it as a launching launching point to other things. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not, you know, it's it's not part of my headcanon. <laughs> so if they decide for whatever reason um, to decide that Hudson, um, Ernie Hudson and um, Dan Aykroyd are actually there under some sort of weird government witness protection, it's going to go one of two ways. The other fan, actually, no, they're not going to be able to win because the fans who bitched about this one will be like, see, now they're trying to pander to us. And the fans who like this for its originalness will be like, they're pandering to the other people. <laughs> yeah, it's almost a no-win situation yeah. at that point. So, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it's kind of hypocritical, but I, I think where the rubber hits the road, that's the real nature of fandom. Nobody just loves property. <laughs> if people, there's a lot of upkeep with property. If people just loved property, then nobody would hate the prequels, right? For Star Wars, yeah. It's no, yep. I want this, and that's why the Force Awakens was. Oh, thank God, you're giving me more of this, right? So, and it all depends on your relationship with whatever. So, yes, I can stand here and proudly say, no, give me different Star Trek that's not stuff I've seen before, but give me Hellblazer like it was back in the day. Yeah. And don't inject your Stormwatch and Authority into my Justice League that's already been done when it was Storm League and Authority. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, my God, I think on this show we've reached a deeper truth. It's okay to be a hypocrite, depending on how much you love a thing. I just want what I want. Yeah, it's, it's okay <laughs> to feel one way about one property and a completely different way about a different one just based on your relationship with it. But you know what was nice about these? There was no Watchmen shit. <laughs> <laughs> you bought a Watchmen pin this week. You, I you bought a comedian pin. I, I bought one of the old school comedian pins, uh, one of the sticking points between DC and Alan Moore <laughs> when they just sent out these pins for free as promotional items back in 1986. Yes. And I've owned three of them over the years. It's just one inch in dyna- diameter. It's just a little old school smiley face. The happy with a, Nick. Yeah, with a, with a blood stain on it. The original one, not the one from the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I got one as a promotional item. Uh, I bought. I got one actually as a gift later on in college from a professor who used to own a comic store and knew I was a fan of Watchmen. That's cool. And I've not seen one in the intervening years until a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, our local comic store, they had one of the comedian pins just behind the counter. And at the time, I was a little light on cash. He's like, 10 bucks. I'm thinking, I got two of these for free, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left it in there for two weeks to see if somebody else would claim it. They didn't. I was having a rough day yesterday. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> you want what you want. That's right. I wore it all day <laughs> You did. You did. <laughs> so, yes. I could love Watchmen. I don't want more of the same. I got plenty. We're fans. We're fickle. We will be satisfied with something that appeals to us, but what appeals to us is all very different and based on personal things. So That's right. 
So fuck it. That's what it comes down to. Fuck it. So next week we'll talk about the the news that has come out of San Diego Comic Con, which we'll start getting into. You know, what do we think fans will will approve of? <laughs> that's right. And we'll complain about one thing and be approving of something that's almost exactly the same in a different property. Exactly. <laughs> because fandom. Oh, I love it. All right. I feel this is a good episode and that we got to a weird kind of deeper truth. Yes. Let's get out while we're fucking ahead. Okay. All right. Do we have anything else? No. All right. So we'll wrap it. Not sure where you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We're trying to do more of it. Like I said, our day jobs and my day job in particular has been very dicey for the last couple of weeks. So I haven't done as much on there, but I've been trying to, and one way or the other, you can get a message to us that way. Send us beer. Send beer. Send fine. <laughs> Berkshire Brew. Fuck it. No, I, we, Send us pictures of beer. <laughs> don't, don't tease me. <laughs> <laughs> we are on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. You can find us on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We are on iTunes, and if that is the way that you obtain your podcast, do us a favor and give us a review. Give us a rating. It does help new people find the show. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network, and I think that is it. Subscribe if you like us. That's right. Subscribe. Give likes. (laughs) Give money. (laughs) Pictures of money? Give No, money. Regular money. (laughs) This has been episode 122 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and derp. Don't fuck with the cash flow. We don't have any. Don't send us pictures of money. We need real money. And scotch. Yes. All scotch.